Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One, two, three. Yeah. Hello, and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Long Drive Down the Range, Lou. I really want to buy some golf pants now. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm horrible at these nicknames. I should think about them. I keep saying that. Every single beginning of the episode, I say I should think more about these these nicknames before we keep going on and then I keep hitting start before I think about it. That's my fault. It's on me. We should actually make a coffee table book and sell it at Starbucks of all the The horrible L-Lus. nicknames. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What was it? Luscious Lou. Luscious Lou, luxurious Lou. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trying to avoid some <laughs> different Lou's. Um anyway, um today's episode we want to talk something about something that's pretty important, and I think a lot of people get the wrong idea, and talk about some of the frustrations of it as well, which is scaling, and mm-hmm. as well as growing your career. So how do you scale safely, grow your business, grow your entity safely, without growing too fast? Um, a lot of companies and a lot of people try to grow their business a little bit too fast, and in the end, they end up um, being a little bit, they put themselves in a bad corner. And I think that that is something that happens, and I would also say that a lot of times people are too afraid to take the next steps as well. That is also a quite common occurrence. So we're going to talk about growing your business, scaling your business, as well as talking about the frustration of the early stages of growth. Unfortunately, I mean, Louie probably know this. I know this for sure. Unfortunately, learning how to do audio better is just one of those things that takes nothing other than time. Um, No matter how talented you are, no matter how good you've been at whatever you did when you were a kid, like this is just one of those things that it just takes time. And I think all of us, I mean, I've been frustrated with my own progression before. Have you? Oh, yeah. Have you ever listened to an old mix? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What what impression do you get? Do you feel like, oh, I sucked? Or do you feel like, oh, not bad? I feel like, oh, damn. And I sent that out? That's terrible. <laughs> See, I usually do the opposite. I do, uh, 
him. That's not that bad, actually, because I just have really <laughs> low expectations of myself. Like, yeah. oh, there's no way. It probably sucked two years ago when I listened to Mix two years ago. I'm like, not bad. Not bad. You ever listen back to old mixes and they're like, I wonder what revision one versus revision two sounds like. And you go to <laughs> two and you're like, okay, not bad. And then you go to one and you're like, huh, that was actually better. <laughs> I know I've done that. Some people overthink their mixes and then I've like told the client like, hey, I know I sent you that one out, but can you take a listen to this one and tell me what you think? They're like, oh, that's so much better. What is it? It's like, oh, I just tried something different. In reality, it's the one that I second guess myself on. <laughs> so uh, today we want to talk about getting better and like learning how to get better and trying to get over the frustrations and kind of growing. So Lou, I'm in a position right now, genuinely, and I think that some other people listening might be in this position too. I've been struggling my the last couple of years of raising my prices. Okay. I can't tell if it's because I'm scared. I can't tell if it's because just for various reasons, I have a hard time raising my prices, but I am definitely, definitely overwhelmed with the work that I get. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I know what you were charging and what we've talked about going forward too, but, um, Honestly, this is something I struggled with too, but I think it kind of boils down into something really simple, which is just don't overthink what you're charging people early. Like you're still in your beginning stages. There's going to be a lot more people who know more than you. And there's going to be a lot of people who can mix better than you. But unless you got plaques or big name artists on these songs and everything, you shouldn't really be charging as much as those people. So I think like a big part of what... People get confused when they first start. It's like, what should I charge? It's like, take what somebody who you know isn't really doing much, but is still significantly better than you and you're trying to be competitive and whatever, take their price and cut it in half. And then next time, now that you're at their level, look at the next person up from them, look at their price, cut your price in half. And it's funny because all these prices are so variable, but realistically, it keeps you humble in the idea like... I'm really trying to build my clientele. So I'm not trying to charge what they charge and then come under expectation. But if there's somebody who's willing to pay me something and I can grow with that client, I can eventually let them know that my prices are going up. And if they really like me, they'll stick around. Or in the meantime, I can just keep myself afloat with these clients who are not trying to spend as much, but still need work done. I I think that for me, yeah. And I know I'm the one that asked this question. I bring it up, but I do something that my professor in in school said that we should do, which is do as much as you can for as little as possible. And then once the workload becomes frustrating that you're, you can't believe that you're charging so little and you're getting frustrated because of what you're charging, then raise your prices. I like that. So it's like, keep, keep your prices where they are unless you're frustrated because you're charging too little. And I would say, um, use your best judgment because I know a lot of people, in fact, I can name three companies off the top of my head in the tiny little state of Utah, three people and companies, um, that like quit doing music because of the pride that they had and how back in the day you used, I used to have to charge this much. And then all of a sudden in mid two thousands, this person only offered me this much money and that's when I realized I'm out of the game. I don't want to do it anymore. Or like things where like the, the studio went out of business. And there's also been successful stories where one studio adapted and they expanded and went into a, a couple million dollar loan from what I understand and they're charging the same prices. It's cheaper prices and it's totally worth it. It's really low cost over there. Hmm. So I've, I've seen different things. I would say 
I would say when you want to charge up, wait till you're frustrated. But I would say that don't charge so much that you are out of the marketplace. Stay in the marketplace. Stay competitive. Don't be prideful and say, just because I used to use all this analog gear and I grew up cutting records myself, I have to charge more. Nah. Like if you're from Arkansas or Mississippi or anything like that, or let's see, somewhere Midwest, Michigan, I don't Mm -hmm. know. Like, I, I don't, I really doubt that you're in a position where you you can justify being that much more expensive than everybody else in a similar marketplace. And just so you guys know, don't charge more just because you have analog gear. That's stupid. Honestly. That's, that's also like, why you don't buy analog. Part of the reasons why you don't buy it in the early stages. Yeah, don't buy it in the early stages until you know what you're doing with it. But if you have analog gear and you're charging more because of your personal choice of overhead, let's be honest. I know a lot of people who can mix in the box better than some people that I know who have libraries worth of gear i know Yo. people who have you know two three hundred thousand dollars worth of gear in their house but they still rely on an external engineer who primarily mixes in the box did you say choose the overhead work what did you say don't charge the client for your personal choice don't of charge overhead. the client for your overhead yo i love that that's why you don't invest in analog gear. It has the worst worst return on investment typically speaking unless you're me who just buys it because the investment is towards booking a client. But if you don't have that type of client, don't buy it unless you really know what you're doing with it and you really think it's worth the investment. But I've seen people do with a Rode NTK mic into an Apollo and they get a better sound than some people I know with the, you know, UC800 into a 1073 vintage Neve into a CL1B like original and then into a Burl converter. Like I've heard some of these recordings, guys, and they're not all great just because they have a $20,000 chain. It's not true. And I would say like really though, um, at the end of the day, um, although it may not have returns, unless it's, unless it's a label situation, if someone says, do you have a specific type of gear? Unless you're a high-end studio or a label scenario, if they ask you what gear you have, that's usually a red flag for a client. Yeah, usually, actually. Because like that means like, oh, this person's going to be a hassle and going to be super into it and think they're the engineer the entire time. And the entire time you're mixing and they're asking for revisions, you're like, do you just want to mix this, bro? That's, <laughs> those yeah. are the clients that you're going to get. Unless, unless, once again, just like you said, unless the client you have is just booking the studio and you're not engineering. And at that point, you're selling a different product. If you're selling yourself as a mixing engineer, recording engineer, mastering engineer, you don't have to buy it unless you you personally really want it. Professionally speaking, you don't need to buy it. But if you're a studio and all you do is book your studio, you yourself are not an engineer, it's a good idea to have some eye candy for the clients. But don't pretend that you need an SSL, AWS, console, 948, whatever to book a ton of clients. Like most people don't even know how to use that thing. So don't worry about it. There you go. So uh, we weren't meant to talk about hardware and we're not going to continue talking about it, but um, let's talk about going back to growth and how we slowly grow. Well, I feel like we just touched base on one of them that was different from the original, which is overhead. Keep you know, a low overhead. People die because of overhead. Yeah. And if you're if you don't know what overhead is in business, overhead means how much you have to pay, like your rent costs, your regular costs, your it's expenses. It's not the mics over the drums. So it's not what you purchase, but your overhead is what you have to pay every month. So this might include your rent. This might include insurance. Basically, the minimum amount of dollars to break even. Mm-hmm. So we pay in this room right now because it's LA and it's super expensive. For this room, we pay twenty seven hundred dollars a month. Or about mm-hmm. three thousand dollars a month. We'll just we'll just round we'll just it up. Three thousand dollars a month. 
Um, and then we have to pay $100 for insurance. Yep. And then we have our security system monthly yep. bills. We have um, some things that we have subscribed on PayPal. And we have to have, since we opened up a second room, we had to get um, the second generation, like this another Pro Tools I, iCloud thing, yep. iLock Cloud. And we had to get a few other things for the studio. And we continue to get a few things for the studio that are on monthly subscription. That's our overhead. Yep. And um, for us, it's quite a bit. And most people would die because of their overhead. In fact, most companies die because they put too much overhead. For example, if you put... They scale too fast without building a foundation. Exactly. A lot of people are like, oh, 36 months, no interest financing. Let me max that out on stuff that's not going to bring them clients. You max out your credit card to Sweetwater, it ain't going to make you money. I'm going to tell you that. Be careful yeah. this holiday season. So for reals though, um, overhead, keep really your overhead low, as gift. low as you can. I yeah. always hate when we talk about getting investments or like going into debt for something because we need it right now. Because at the end yeah. of the day, we ask her, do you, you know how many yeah, times yeah. have I done that this month? No, We've we, we were talking week. about that. I was uh, I was about to buy a piece of gear on Sweetwater. They had that very enticing. Uh, the three or six months, no credit required. N- nope. Oh, yeah, the six months. Uh, and then Zounds has the 12 months and they upped it to 18 months for Christmas. I'm like. Dang. Ooh, man, that is, oh, so for 50 bucks a month, I can have like this, I don't know, Rupert Neve dual channel preamp, right? You know, something cool. Um, but realistically, do I really need it? The answer is no. Has any of my clients ever requested something outside of a Neve or an SSL? No. And I'm not going to buy a Neve because somebody wants me to have a Neve. I honestly don't always like the sound of a 1073 anyways. So... <laughs> Why am I about to buy this thing that I honestly don't need? Keep the yeah. overhead low. Like, why would I want to spend an extra four or 500 bucks a month on gear nobody asked for? Yeah, I'm drawing the line. This is how we're going to draw the line. We're gonna, I'm going to really do bold, general statements because I want to be called out by people that are in the anomaly. Okay? Okay. I'm going to make a line. The line is only buy gear with the profits that you made at the end of the year. Instead of going to Uncle Sam, Sam, may, instead of going to Uncle Sam via your taxes, spend the money at the end of the year before you file for taxes. Yeah. And make sure that you're not making a profit. That's when you spend gear. But if you're not making a profit end of the year without even buying gear, then it's not your don't buy gear. Don't it's buy not, gear. Yeah, it made no sense. So scaling is people scale too fast. They either get into debt or buy too much gear and they realize I bought all this gear and I'm not making enough money fast. Yep. I've I've seen there's been a couple companies fail in Utah, like where I'm from, right? Where mm-hmm. I started doing music because someone's parents bought them this the studio and they have to do the rent and the parents are hoping this is going to be their first like business venture mm-hmm. and it fails horribly because they don't know how to manage it and their overhead was too high. They had to jump into it. Yeah. So that happened at least two or three times that I can remember off the top of my head. And so I would say number 1, keep your overhead low, but um, as you grow, um, you'll be making more and more money, slowly charging more and more over time as you get frustrated. What are also like signs of how you should be charging more? And like, I always tell people, once you're in the room with more credited people and you notice that the majority of your clientele has shifted in quality, you should shift into a higher price range, assuming that you've actually matched their quality. If you get in the room with Dr. Dre and you become his intern, you're not worth more than what you were. You're still an intern. doesn't matter who for who. Uh, you still obviously don't know enough for them to pay you. So why would you charge their numbers? Yeah. So, but that would also be going, let's, let's talk about things that would impact charging more. 
And I would say number one is credits, unfortunately, and fortunately, at the end of the day, engineering, producing is all about trust and who you know. And if you have bigger credits, then your work is spoken for. Um, You don't have to prove anything. You worked with this bigger person, so you can charge more. Yeah. Right. Um, that's kind of how it works. No matter how good you are, if if you don't chase the bigger credits, if you don't bigger credits, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to charge bigger credit prices. Um, and let's see, like a nice portfolio. I know a lot of people that have been yep. engineering and producing for years, but they're not proud of their portfolio. That's usually the case. So they don't want to show it or they don't have enough work yep. and the portfolio is yep. not big enough. Like, have you seen my DK Mixes portfolio of mixes that I've done? I've started oh, yeah. it this year, and I haven't really added any old mixes. I got hundreds of songs on there because I've done a 1,000 records this year. I Boom. officially hit it. Boom. At the day that this episode releases, I've officially mixed a 1,000 records this year. So, Fuck yeah. Congratulations. I did a mix with uh, our previous uh, guest, Michael Van Wagner. I did. I gave it a mix away for free because he was following me on Instagram. I said, I'm giving nice. away a mix on Instagram. And he responded and I picked him because he had a good song. I'm really excited for the song. Maybe we'll do another interview with him and another mix breakdown. But thousand records this year. Boom. Right. So that's, I'm definitely frustrated <laughs> with what I'm charging. Number one, that's a huge one. I'm not getting enough sleep. I think that's why I can raise my prices. I've gotten really big credits in the last few months thanks to this guy. Um, for like what, you know, the last few months I can start charging more. What else? I said portfolio has gotten bigger. What Your else? Studio is- has expanded with the equipment list that most people don't have. If yes. And, uh, also I think another reason that you can charge more as an engineer, even if you're freelancing, um, is how much knowledge you have in the sense of like deep knowledge. Do you know how to route a patch bay? Or do you yeah. know how to patch up a patch bay? Like the deeper That's you can, my can demographic. You, like, can you solder a cable? Like, I mean, there's a lot of niches that you can go into, but knowing knowledge is my key thing on the, that demographic is the, can you be the engineer that solved all the issues before anybody realized there was an issue? Boom. Knowledge. If you know a lot more important than theoretical is practical. If you can actually pull apart a console piece module and fix that and put it back in without hurting the console, you're going to get paid more for doing stuff like that. I know guys getting 200 an hour for that shit. There you go. That is genuinely like you're gonna get you're gonna get paid more because you have a very specific deep knowledge in something. Yeah. Um, at the same time, what are we gonna say about all the young kids right now? If you're young, if you're in high school, if you're not paying rent, if you have no overhead other than what you want to buy in the future, you know what I say? Get out of the problem of having nothing in your portfolio and record all of your friends for free as much as you possibly can when you're young. Oh yeah, take the variety, not just the good ones. Yeah, like you have like you're going to learn how to mix better from the your ass clients. I hate to say it. Actually, I used to work with a singer who was so bad that I learned how to melodyne. I learned how to use Waves Tune and AutoTune Pro's graph mode just trying to figure out how to make them the best vocalist I possibly could. There you go. And guess what? Now I'm tuning vocals for like major name female artists. I'm just saying like shit that's on the radio that you wouldn't know it was tuned. I tuned it. Yeah, that's wild. See, um, that's a super like actually vocal tuning is a job out here. Like, mm-hmm. like it's literally a job out here. That's crazy to me, right? Yeah, if so, you go to my sound better, you'll see it as an option for services. So, okay, let's list the things they say you can that would raise your price, your experience and credits. Yep. Your portfolio in quality and length. Yep. Um, 
and in turn experience, right? I would say your deep knowledge, not wide. Well, the wide works just knowledge in general, how much mm-hmm. you know from practical experience. And that you can actually apply. There you go. Um, what else? I would say uh, you could charge more if your availability is really low. That's a new one. Oh yeah, if you, you don't know have what? a lot of I time. If you're overbooked, time. if you're overbooked, yeah. raise your prices again. That usually goes hand in hand with the frustration part, right? Yep, and that, I actually just did that. Um, somebody asked me to uh, to mix a sign. I told him like, "Hey, right now, unfortunately, I'm only accepting my full rate. Like, I'm not doing any hookups for people. There's no like, hey man, I'll do it for this much to this time to help you out. Like, unfortunately, I really can't take any more work. So unless you're paying my full price, I'm sorry, I just can't take it. Yep. It's true that, true that. So uh, what are some other other things that would make you – what are some things that would keep you from charging more? Things that would keep you from charging more is having bad reference tracks for them to listen to. Don't choose your friend's song because it's your friend and you want to show your friend off to Well, I mean people. like you – so lack of skill is uh, – Lack of skill and knowledge of the, the client. So for instance, like if I were to say – I want to become Keisha Cole's mixing engineer. I'm not going to show her the songs I mixed for Metallica. Yeah. That's wrong in every way. Uh, you need to actually have a pretty wide portfolio to actually appeal to different people. For instance, like uh, a lot of people like to to say like post-hardcore is like pop and metal mixed together because they got the auto-tuned vocals yeah, yeah, and yeah. heavy metal guitars. If you're really good at auto-tuned vocals but have never dealt with the band, that's probably something you want to expand in so that you can now pitch to that demographic. Sometimes you got to blend genres to be able to branch out, but have a portfolio that's wide. Yeah. Wide portfolio. I would say things that would keep you from obviously lack of skill or lack of knowledge or lack of hours experience. It's going to keep you from lack of reference, charging more lack of references. I would say uh, a lack of history. If you have, even if you're amazing, but you've only been doing it for three months, a lack of marketing, whether it be like social media, Twitch, anything, you know, yeah, and usually engineers are the types to not really be doing it. A lot of social media. Yeah, most of my favorite engineers tend to be under 10,000 followers. Yeah, and uh, let's see. Um, what are some other things that would keep your – but that's not keeping their prices low. But I'm saying like marketing is – as in nobody knows. No, no, no. Me. I mean I'm Word just saying out there if is you not had somebody like Jason Joshua's Instagram account where you're constantly posting about being in front of an SSL and ATCs uh, and playing back a mix of a known artist – regularly even if you have 1000 followers that's a 1000 people who are following you most likely because they are actual fans of your work and yeah. if they themselves are in that market well, he's got like 45000 or something but like my that. point is yeah but check it out of those 45000 i'm sure that there's a thousand hardcore jason joshua fans oh yeah i'm one of them people that are going <laughs> yeah, yeah, people kidding. that go to mix with the masters website and download his it's videos. more than a thousand bro it's probably more like 45000 people i would say 30000 are hardcore fans yeah see and this is what i'm saying so lack of marketing could mean anything it doesn't mean that you have millions of followers it's just that Hey, some people would really love to know what you're doing. Yeah, and I don't think that Instagram followers count for anything because, for example, Serban Gania is one of the like most famous mixing engineers, mm-hmm. and he gets hired for everything, but he barely uses social media. Nobody even knows who he is unless you're an engineer yourself. Yeah, like probably most people listening to this podcast has never heard of Serban, but I guarantee Serban. that the people who have heard of Serban know that he is the goat. He yeah. is a, he is one of the goats. So I would say. Um, I would say, yeah, people who know of you doesn't mean you have to have a lot of followers on Instagram. But I would say if word of mouth is, is super slow, then obviously 
you need to be charging less. Um, I would say a competitive marketplace. Uh, if your neighbors are, if, if, if you like Brian Hood asks this on six figure home studio, which they ended recently, by the way. And, and actually we're going to talk about Brian in a second, but he said that if you don't have anything that differentiates you between the, you and the studio down the street, like mm-hmm. you got to think about what's different about you. Like, why can you charge just as much or, uh, more than the person, than the person down the street? Do you have mm-hmm. a different niche? Do you have a different audience? Do you have more stuff? Like what is it? Maybe it's not stuff. Maybe that you're able to provide more services. Maybe that you're able to do music videos in your studio and the other person doesn't. So that's one thing that separates you, differentiates yeah. you. But in your marketplace, if there's nothing that differentiates you and if you have a lot of competitors and, um, and you're trying to compete with them in the genre and in the niches that they're also doing, if there's nothing that differentiates you, you probably can't charge as much. Nope. I mean, you're going to, at the least only, not, not, uh, successfully. Yeah. Like you don't want to be in a position where the only thing differentiating you from other studios is that you have a lower price. And here's the thing. You may have all the same thing, but they may also have much more experience than you. Absolutely. You may be the little guy when it comes to clientele. So even then you cannot charge as much, even if the playing field is the same outside of experience. So talking about that, um, so Brian Hood said that on Six Figure Home Studio. Um, I think the podcast ended officially after 150 episodes, so I think that's three years that they did that. Nice. They amassed a huge following. They're doing a bigger adventure right now. I think it's like Six Figure Creative or something like that, going beyond um, recording and, and studio and music, um, doing more than that, doing more general business for creatives. And I think I'm really excited. I'm really excited for everything that they're doing. Brian hit me up a few weeks ago, and I've already mentioned this. File Pass is Brian's creation. Have you oh. tried File Pass? No, I think I. I got one for the studio. I got one. I got an account. Yeah, for I think the I saw you using it, but I don't I don't really use it so too much myself. We just wanted to give a shout out once again to our sponsor, File Pass. File Pass is a website that you can just like Dropbox or Google Drive, you can send links to your clients' uh, folders. It's like a cloud service, but you can set it behind a paywall, so they can't download the files unless they pay for it. Or you can make it free so there's no payment thing and you can just block downloads. And clients can also upload directly via your link as well if you send the upload nice. link. So they can send you files and whatnot and um, keeps you from getting scammed. It's genuinely awesome. And playback, it's made by an engineer. So when you upload Wave, unlike, unlike uh, uh, Dropbox and Google Drive, it actually plays back the raw Wave file. There's no encoding or compression at all. Nice. Actually, that's... And they really can leave timestamp comments, et cetera, et cetera. Dropbox does, right? Dropbox does compress it. Dropbox does have the timestamp comments. But I'm not. Dude, FilePass, I've been a fan. I've been part of their, like, since the go, since the beginning. Gotcha. I'm a huge fan of gotcha. it. And it's made me a lot of money, actually. My profits went up about 30% when I downloaded it. I really? Using, yeah, like, genuinely. Because now I felt safe. I wasn't insecure. Yeah. So because they can't screw me over by not paying for stuff. So I yeah. could offer around and be like, yo, pay for me after the session. Yeah. So that's actually one way that I actually raise my prices is that, hey, you can charge, pay for, get a discount or my regular rate mm-hmm. up front, or you can pay a little bit extra and pay at the end or pay half and half, or if you want to pay month to month or whatever, mm-hmm. put in payments, whatever, I could do it through FilePass. Um, is, and pay- I, uh, is payments an option? Well, you can pay for part of it, and gotcha. then they still can't download it until it's fully paid for Oh, gotcha. Okay. That's but I mean, cool. I could do like demo mixes as well and demo so they can't use, download it and use it. So I don't have to put in a tag every single time I do a de- demo mix so they can't yeah. use it. It's really nice actually. So file pass. Thank you for supporting our show. Um, we've now been able to secure funds to 
uh, run more ads for the podcast. That's good. And uh, to be honest, we grew this show very big. Just a little little bit for everybody. Um, we have grown exponentially since we first started. And we want to thank every single listener listening right now. Um, thank you so much for listening. You've been supporting us and been really helping us grow as a business, as a company, and as engineers. We've been learning a lot from this. Um, and thank you for coming along with the journey. As always, we do uh, mix feedback. Um, you can order mix feedback from mixingmusicpodcast.com. We do $20 for some feedback on the mix at the current time. And what else? What else? Do we want to pitch anything? Pitch um, something, Lou. Pitch I in Lou. I will sell you my socks. So, no. With a master. No. Oh, gosh. You're going to get perverts in your inbox. Oh, please no. no. Please no. No. I'm, I'm talking about fresh socks, not something I wore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to Target, buy socks for myself, and then mail them out. Like, Yo, Lou's selling his used socks. No, clean socks. <laughs> clean. Unworn. Starting the bid at $500. Yo, uh, some you heavy know perverts. You know what? If all they want is my socks. 500 might, bucks? For 500 bucks? You'd be dumb. Yeah, I'm You'd be dumb saying, not to like, take that. Hey, I'm just saying, at, I don't have to meet them, right? Yo, I don't care if you're a dude or a girl. Or a dog. I don't care. I'm going to give. I'm gonna send you my socks. You know what? If you're a cat, it's off. <laughs> no cats. Anyway, um, on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. One, two, three. If you'd like to take advantage of my free guides and online videos, please check out links.dkmixes.com. That's links.dekeimixes.com. Yo, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug about Antares and Autotune. Antares makes the original industry standard autotune that we all know and love the sound of. We are sponsored by them, so if you visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash autotune, we do get a small kickback from every purchase. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please enjoy this episode.